Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to the Football Morning in America mini-pod. This is Peter King. I'm recording this in Brooklyn, New York, where I live. Uh, it is about 3.55 a.m. Eastern Time. I've just finished a rather lengthy Football Morning in America column. Please go see it at NBCSports.com, or you can find it uh, in the lovely Mike Florio site, ProFootballTalk.com. So... As usual, I'm going to give you some reading this week. I'm going to give you the lead of my column, which happens to be on um, the emerging star Nick Bosa, the second pick in the April draft uh, of 2019, and the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my column, but I'm also going to do something a little bit different this week. I got what I thought was a very good suggestion from a reader who said, you know, I'm driving to work. I listen to your little mini podcast. It's a really good 20 minutes for me uh, to get informed about what I should know about every game that was played in the NFL. So if you like that way of me doing this, if you like that way of spending, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes where I do some for my column and then I just give you thoughts on all the games of the day, let me know. Send me your feedback at peterkingfmia at gmail, or you can uh, hit me at peter underscore king on Twitter. So <clears throat> let's start with the column. You know, I, I, uh, I didn't really have a hard and fast choice of what to lead the column with this week. But I watched a lot of the 49ers game. They played the Carolina Panthers, beat them 51-13. to And I just was blown away by how good their defense is, and in particular, how good Nick Bosa is. So let me read you a little bit from my lead this week. <clears throat> and um, we will get into other parts of the column after that. I'm trying to think of a comp for Nick Bosa seven games into his NFL life. Pass rusher, but a bull rusher too. Did you see Bosa push mountainous Pro Bowl tackle Andrew Whitworth of the Rams back into Jared Goff two weeks ago? Pass rusher, but a cover guy too. Did you, sh did you see him shadow Christian McCaffrey on a wheel route out of the backfield Sunday against Carolina? Pass rusher, but an acrobatic interceptor, too. Did you see the leaping pick off Kyle Allen 
evading three tacklers on a 46-yard return. But the main thing's the main thing. Seven sacks in seven games, including three in the first half of the Niners' 51-13 home win on Sunday. And seven wins. Bosa's been a huge part of the 7-0 San Francisco's shocking start. He deserves Rookie of the Year, Richard Sherman said Sunday. But right now he should be in line for defensive MVP. <clears throat> so much to get to today. Belichick's 300th, Breeze's comeback. Green Bay is 7-1. Deshaun Watson's play of the year, a zebra-marred loss for the Bucks. The bizarre coaching stratagem of Matt Nagy. J.J. Watt's sorrow. Joe Flacco is pissed. <laughs> Browns keep browning. In due time, all of it. Now, Bosa may have thought he was coming to a good spot when the Niners picked him second overall last April, but now he knows how fortuitous it really was. He's one of five first-round picks in the front four, and the rotation keeps the pressure up for four quarters. If any single element is most responsible for San Francisco's stunning rise to the top of the NFC West, it's that defensive front, averaging a sack on 12% of all pass plays. I'd argue that Bosa's been the most impactful edge player to enter the NFL since Julius Peppers in 2002. 18 edge players have been picked in the top five choices of the draft in the last 20 years, since 2000. Bosa's seven sacks and one interception through seven games is exactly the, sat, the stat line of Peppers. And only Von Miller, six sacks, no picks, is close to them. No other player picked in the top five had more than four sacks in his first seven games. Probably only Peppers was asked to do as much as Bosa early, playing all over the field. And Peppers or Miller weren't the run player that Bosa is shown to be so far. Bosa's a complete player in a room full of defensive line stalwarts in San Francisco. I came into a real good situation with the D-line we have. Bosa told me from California after the game. I was a little starstruck when I first came in here. I've got a bunch of first-round picks I get to roll with, and you saw what we can do today when we get a lead, and they've got to throw. Said Sherman, he's got to be one of the best picks in the last 10 years. He plays like a 10-year vet with savviness and poise. One of his sacks came when he was sent sprawling by a Panther tackle. He got up and dove at Kyle Allen and ankle sacked him. The interception was the kind of play you'd see from a, De from a DeAndre Hopkins type of athlete. Left tackle Dennis Daly lunged at Bosa's knees and Bosa went sprawling outside Daly to avoid it. And when Bosa rose, well, let him tell it. Early in the game, Daly cut me really bad. Obviously, I hate to get cut. And that means having his knees dived at. I played that cut to the outside, and I got up, and I looked in the quarterback's eyes. I saw what he was going to do. 
Bosa meant throw the quick pass in the flat to McCaffrey. He said, so I jumped up and the ball went right into my arms. After that, it was just instincts. He escaped two tackle tries by Allen over the next 46 yards and one by D.J. Moore before Moore leg tackled him near the five-yard line. The speed, the escapability, the moves. Bosa could pass for Travis Kelsey, easy. Ever play running back in your life, I asked. Nope, he said. Wide receiver, tight end? No, he said. Offensive guys aren't taught to tackle. I was able to make a couple moves. So here's the top of the NFC after eight weeks. Number one, San Francisco, 7-0. and Number two, Green Bay and New Orleans, 7-1. and Number three, Seattle and Minnesota, 6-2. and The 49ers have four games against their pursuers in the last eight weeks of the season. Saints, Packers, two with Seattle. They play Green Bay at home November 24, then at New Orleans two weeks later. We'll know how good the Niners are by then. A three-week stretch against teams with a combined 19-4 and four record, Packers, Ravens, Saints, will be the toughest three-game stretch of their season by far. Have you noticed how hard it looks down the road, I asked Bosa? Nah, he said. I mean, we got a game in three days. My focus is on that. Arizona. Thursday night in the desert. Another quarterback to chase. Bosa versus Kyler Murray. That'll be fun. Two cornerstone guys, born 11 weeks apart in 1997. It's amazing. The Niners got famous starting 40 years ago with an offensive genius molding two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Now they might be poised to go on another strong run. And this time, the defensive front shall lead them. Fascinating times for a resuscitated franchise. And that's the end of my lead on the Niners and Bosa. Uh, I transition into a Deshaun Watson section of the column. Uh, and I just thought his play to win this game was just the kind of play that great quarterbacks make. So I'm just going to read you part of this story, okay? I thought of three things watching a lot of Raiders-Texans Sunday. Number one, how sick the Bears must be as their season goes down the tubes watching Deshaun Watson and, soon again, Patrick Mahomes make beautiful football happen for the Texas and Texans and Chiefs. Two and a half years after the Bears passed on both in the 2017 draft. Number two, this was the kind of game, Raiders Texans, that you felt Oakland was always going to make just one more play. The Raiders never trailed for the first 53 minutes, and they kept trumping every move Houston made. Made. I thought, if Houston's got any chance, Watson's going to have to win it. He's slithery and reliable and so on point, even when he's being chased all over creation. And he's ridiculously determined. Number three, Favre. 
some of Watson's plays are so improbable, so rabbit out of a hat, that Watson looks like another Southern kid at a young age, Brett Favre. Watson and Mahomes both have some Favre in them. As Watson told me from Houston after the game, I wear four for a reason. That last big play, that was definitely a Favre-type play. Now, it's an overreaction to say Watson's nine-yard TD pass to tight end Darren Fells saved Houston's season. They're still a half game behind Indy in the AFC South, which, by the way, is a division that went 4-0 and on Sunday. It's deceivingly good. So I, I, go, I go about uh, describing this incredible play, this nine-yard touchdown where it looked like he was sacked twice, and then he actually got kicked in the face at one point and felt his left eye go shut. Uh, and I thought it was uh, just a really, really brave play. I'd really uh, I'd, I'd want you to read this in a column on Monday. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, I also write about J.J. Watt's torn pectoral muscle um, and about how for the third time in four years, Watt, who's now 30, will finish the year on injured reserve. You know, it's to the point, no matter how well he plays, he had a great year last year and was playing very well this year, too. If he can't stay healthy and can't stay on the field, he's missed 32 games over the last four years. If he can't stay healthy, it's hard to gamble on him, and honestly, it's hard to count on him. Um, I wrote about how the Packers are a fun team to watch now. Three touchdown passes to, by Aaron Rodgers in Kansas City in the 31-24 win. All of them to running backs. Incredible game for Aaron Jones. I bet you don't know Aaron Jones has passed. 2017 fifth-round pick out of Texas El Paso. And now he is one of the keys to the season of one of the five best teams in football. It's amazing. I write about how the Chiefs are 4-0 and on the road and they're 1-3 at Arrowhead. And they've got Minnesota coming into town. So, I mean, as much as you don't want to rush Patrick Mahomes back, uh, they really need him to come back and play. It's hard to win shootouts when you're playing Matt Moore. Uh, I write about whether Joe Flacco really deserves to be testy. You may have seen or heard the fact that Flacco was, uh, was really unhappy that the Broncos didn't go for it with a minute 55 to go. Uh, ended up punting in Indianapolis, and the Colts went all the way down the field, or went partial way down the field, and Adam Vinatieri kicked the winning field goal. So... Flacco was unhappy. I'm not sure he really deserves to be heard on this. He's just not really playing that well. Um, and then I write just a little bit about Cleveland. They probably have to go 7-2 and two down the stretch now to have a playoff prayer. They're 2-5 and five now. I just I don't see how this team, which has been the absolute hallmark of inconsistency all year, I really don't see them uh, rebounding, even though they have a softer schedule in the second half of the year. 
So the end of the lead to my column this week is about Bill Belichick getting his 300th win. And uh, I, I think that what I tried to do is I tried to do something different. I got five people to give me a trait of Bill Belichick that they really admire and a trait of why he is where he is right now. Chris Collinsworth from NBC's football, uh, Sunday Night Football, uh, talked to me about how uh, Belichick basically is much more of a brilliant teacher than anyone knows. Lewis Riddick, a safety on his Cleveland Browns teams from 93 to 95, uh, talked about how he had a great game in the Browns' last playoff win, and Bill Belichick's comment to him was, what are you going to do next week? And uh, it's just... <laughs> Belichick always wants to know what you're going to do for the team, not what you have done for the team. Chris Sims talked about how uh, this team wins games in May and not only November. Mike Vrabel, uh, linebacker tight end with the Patriots for eight years under Belichick, uh, talked about what he's learned and applied to his coaching career, which is his best players should be the most accountable every day, every game. And then finally, Matthew Slater uh, told me that Bill Belichick really doesn't yell, scream, whatever. He, uh, he, rem he told a story about a 2016 playoff game in which very matter-of-factly, Patriots won, didn't play well against Houston, and Belichick walked into the locker room and said one thing. If we play like that again next week, we're going to get beat. And that's it. Nothing dramatic, nothing anything. And Slater said, you know, he, he's one of these guys who's a great teacher, but he's not going to be a fire and brimstone guy. You have to understand the way it works. And if you do, you'll stay there for a while. And if you don't, you'll have to go. Um, so what I'd like to do now is just to get in. I'll give you a line or two on every game uh, that was played in the league, and uh, and let's and go through it this way. And again, if you like it this way, let me know. I'll keep doing it this way. If you want me to do it another way, you let me know that as well. Uh, Patriots twenty-seven to thirteen. I think the biggest problem with the Cleveland Browns is that. Uh, that they just simply cannot continue to make the mistakes they're making. Turning it over on three consecutive plays, um, it's just, it's, it's not going to be, they're not going to be able to win this way. Until they cut out, on, cut, it, cut down on their mistakes, uh, I just, I don't think they've got a chance this year. I think this is going to take a full transition off season for the Browns. San Francisco 51, Carolina 13. Um, I thought what was really interesting about this game is that, you know, Tevin Coleman, who came from Atlanta in free agency, uh, scored four touchdowns in this game, three rushing, one receiving. And I, I think what's going on in San Francisco is so interesting. As I said in the BOSA part, 
this is a team that everybody assumed when Kyle Shanahan went there, they were going to be a throwing team. They were going to throw it 40 times a game. But Kyle Shanahan has built a very good running game, you know, even with injuries to both tackles. But he's built a very good running game, and John Lynch and he have constructed an excellent defensive front and a very good defense. So I think this team very much has staying power. Seattle 27, Atlanta 20. <clears throat> kind of a ho-hum game. Seattle was up 24-0 at the half. thing that really impressed me about this game was basically the fight of Matt Schaub. He threw for 460 yards, didn't win, obviously, but he had to fight the entire day to try to keep the Falcons in it. Um, and I, I enjoyed that little storyline. Um, you know, Russell Wilson came back and played well, not one of the best games of his life, but uh, he completed 14 to 20 and threw t two touchdowns. And look, you fly all the way across the country. Um, your biggest goal should be, let's just get out of here with, with uh, you know, with a big win and without getting a lot of injuries. And unfortunately, um, you know, they, they did suffer an offensive line injury to, to go with Will Disley, uh, the tight end who was hurt last week. So, uh, you know, it wasn't a pristine way to go out for Seattle. But, you know, the Seahawks moved to 6-2. and two. They're hanging in there in the west uh, behind the 49ers. Indianapolis 15, Denver 13. Um, this was a very, very strange game. The Colts are a little worrisome, honestly. Uh, and, uh, you know, Adam Vinatieri saved the game late. Uh, you know, he kicked field goals of 55, 45, and 51. The 51-yarder won the game. Uh, and look, uh, there was a long time in this game where I thought Denver was going to win. And, you know, as we talked about Joe Flacco being unhappy with how Denver uh, play called in the last two minutes, that led to Indy's last chance. Uh, let us go to Rams. The Rams beat Cincinnati 24-10. to I think the really interesting thing in this game is Cooper Cup and the fact that, um, I, I mean, I want you to think about this. You know, he, he, caught, uh, he caught, I think, seven passes, right, for 220 yards. He is now on pace to be way ahead of any receiver the Rams have, and he clearly has become Jared Goff's favorite receiver. He's on pace to have 116 catches for 1,584 yards. And remember, somehow, someway, the Bears have to try to find money to sign Cooper Cup long-term. You do not want to take this guy away from, uh, away from Jared Goff. Um, the Los Angeles Chargers beat the Bears 17 to 16. In my column this week, the strategy of the week was the decision that Matt Nagy, the coach, made of the Bears um, with the Chargers ahead 17 16. 
the Bears had a first down at the Chargers' 21-yard line with 43 seconds left and one timeout left. But instead of trying to get closer than a 41- or 42-yard field goal, Matt Nagy decided, I am just going to kneel right here. I'm going to have Mitchell Trubisky kneel, and then we are going to try the field goal um, after taking our last timeout with a couple seconds to go. That's what he did. Now, I had a major problem because I just don't think many coaches in the NFL would give up the opportunity to move closer uh, for a relatively speaking chip shot field goal. Uh, you can read about my review of the play in Strategy of the Week in this column. Uh, I did not like what Matt Nagy did. Detroit 31, New York Giants 26. You know, I, I am uh, a little befuddled about Daniel Jones of the Giants. He, the coaches, uh, you know, have really stressed to him, get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball. And early on in this game, the Giants fell behind 14 to nothing with one of the touchdowns coming when Daniel Jones held on to it way too long. Ended up throwing a backwards pass that, in essence, is a live ball when it hits the field. And it was returned... Uh, for a touchdown by the Lions. And, and, you know, those are the kind of things that lose you games. What happened? Lions win by five. Daniel Jones handed them seven points. Uh, that's the stuff that just has to change for Jones. Jacksonville 29, New York Jets 15. I, I really thought that this was the game, uh, especially because uh, Gardner Minshew had some adversity that proved to me that when Nick Foles comes back, that Minshew should still be the quarterback. Hurts me to say because Nick Foles is a splendid human being, uh, did everything the Eagles asked, did a wonderful job for them. But Nick Foles just does not, in my opinion, possess the magic that Gardner Minshew does. thought he made two great touchdown passes in this game where he really needed to capitalize on his mobility to do that. Tennessee 27, Tampa Bay 23. Um, I really was bothered by this game, bothered quite a bit uh, by a call by the down judge, David Oliver, uh, late in the game. Uh, Tennessee was ahead 27 to 23, 3.45 left in the game, the ball at the Bucks 28. So the Titans were lined up for a 46-yard field goal try, and I'll read you what I wrote in my column. Taking the snap, holder Brett Kern rose and started running around left end. A fake. Tampa Bay's Devin White stopped him cold with a brutal arm stop, and the ball popped loose as Kern fell. It was definitely out before he hit the ground. Anthony Adams of the Bucks picked up the fumble and returned it 72 yards. Looked like a touchdown. But Oliver, as you can clearly see on replay, was seen waving his arms over his head, signaling the end of the play before Adams ran the length of the field for the touchdown. So instead of Tampa going, going ahead then, the Bucks took possession at the 28. They couldn't score on their final two possessions. Now, Oliver's a good official. He clearly looked to see if Kern got the two yards, and when it was clear he didn't and Kern went down, Oliver assumed Kern hit the ground and was down. 
He shouldn't have assumed that. It cost the Bucks seven points, and quite possibly their third win. Uh, by the way, Ryan Tannehill looked pretty good in that game. Philadelphia 31, Buffalo 13. What was really interesting about this game, I thought, is that so here's the Bills. Uh, they entered the game either ranked second or third in the league in, in team defense. And yet, uh, as this game went on, you saw that Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard, uh, the two-pronged running attack for Philadelphia, just mashed the Bills from the start to finish. You know, Buffalo had allowed only 91 yards rushing a game this year. And in this particular game, the Eagles ran it 21 times for 418 yards. And that really was huge. Now, Miles Sanders was so impressive in this game. Uh, he had six touches for 118 yards, and that included a 65-yard uh, touchdown. And to me, a uh, rushing touchdown. To me, uh, Miles Sanders is, is emerging as the best back to come out of the 2019 draft. He was picked 53rd overall. New Orleans, 31, Arizona, 9. I thought Breeze, uh, Drew Brees looked very good in his comeback from thumb surgery. Uh, he completed passes to nine different receivers, um, threw for 373 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, I, I mean, there's nothing negative to say about Breeze in this game. He had the last laugh. Everybody was questioning, should Breeze come back so early? They got the bye next week. But as he said after the game, hey, I'm a football player, and football players play football. Houston 27, Oakland 24. I'll let my Deshaun Watson uh, uh, story stand. But the interesting thing about this game is that Oakland was, was ahead, or I'm sorry, Oakland never trailed for the first 53 minutes of this game. And, um, you know, Deshaun Watson just kept going and kept going and finally made enough plays, including that last play at the end. And now finally, Green Bay 31, Kansas City 24. You know, it's, it's amazing to see the new weapons that the Packers continue to come up with on offense. And the reason that they can do that is very simple, that Aaron Rodgers is so good that he can sort of fold new stars into the team whenever need, whenever there is a need to do so. Uh, was very impressed with, uh, with Aaron Jones, uh, who is clearly right now uh, the number one back there and is turning out to be one of the best all-around players in football. Um, so uh, that's my quick review of the Sunday games. We're going to end this mini-pod with the Adu Haiku. Cleveland, 2-5. and five. That August Super Bowl talk? Cavs playing tonight? I don't know. Maybe you have to read it. Maybe you have to actually see it in the column to understand it. But anyway, hey, thanks a lot for listening to the pod this week. Hope you enjoyed it. And please direct your comments to me. And uh, I'm going to 
try to make this a fun experience for you. I'll see you next week. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.